Welcome back to the Global Startup Movement. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz. Welcome to the last episode of 2018. We're off next week for the holidays, but I'm coming to you with some very exciting announcements in January 2019. So be sure to hit that subscribe button or activate our Amazon Alexa scale to be sure that you don't miss out. But now on to today's episode, I am joined by Toro Orero, who is the managing partner for Draper Darkflow. DDF is an Africa-focused VC firm backed by the one and only Tim Draper and has invested in the likes of Paystack, Tizeti, which is the Nigerian ISP behind the Wi-Fi.com.ng brand, as well as Vugapay, whose founder Patrick Muhir has been a repeat guest on the show. On this episode, Toro and I dive into all of his lessons learned while running DDF, as well as an exclusive insight into Toro's latest startup, which is applying artificial intelligence to the travel experience which is a solution to pain points that I can definitely relate to. So that's it from me. I'm super grateful to all my faithful listeners over the past couple years, and I'm looking forward to a fantastic 2019. Now, here's my conversation with Toro Orero, the managing partner at Draper Darkflow. Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide. From Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond, here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. So Toro, it's great to have you here. Why don't you start us off with just a little bit about you um, and maybe what you've been up to over the past few years. Hey, um, thanks for having me, Andrew. So I'm Toro Orero. I have been up to managing a VC fund backed by Tim Draper called DDF of Capital. And what we've been doing is we've been investing in early stage startups in um, early stage tech startups in Sub-Saharan Africa. And um, yeah, and I'm a travel guy. I travel quite a lot and I'm about to launch an AI startup that, that addresses that space. Got it. And so tell me a little bit about the, maybe the, the initial conversation that you had with, with Tim Draper around investing in startups. Like, was it a, what was it a hard sell or was it, was it something that he got uh, immediately excited about when you kind of uh, gave him the idea? Oh, no, so, no, no, Tim, Tim, Tim is um, an, an awesome guy. One of the most awesome people I've ever met, literally just like an amazing dude. And um, one thing he does uh, it's they, they are, oh, he is not scared to go into new places to do new things. So, for example, um, I think his dad, um, I, I mixed up the facts right now, but it set up one of the first VC funds in India. Um, they also set up one of the first VC funds, or Silicon Valley VC funds, um, in China, and they did this little deal called Baidu. So they are, they are used to, going to quote-unquote frontier markets to do new things. And um, so Africa was just like a natural, it, it had been in his mind. It was just great timing, basically. I was there, he was ready, I was ready. We're like, we're like okay, let's do it. And we just did it. So, yeah. Right. Right, and so, and, and I believe Draper Darkflow, it came out of your time at Draper University, is that right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So actually, I, I, I want to clarify the name Darkflow because... People either really love it or really don't love it. <laughs> so, so, so here, so, so here's the backstory. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. And, um, actually when I was nine years old, a couple of friends and I, we attempted to build a launch a rocket to the stratosphere. 
Uh, it didn't, it, it didn't work, but just that, that shows you like how way back I've been, been into the whole space thing. So dark flow just literally means um, a collection of galaxies um, moving with an unspecified velocity. So that was my metaphor for Africa, Africa's tech ecosystem. You know, moving. We don't know how fast it is, but we know it's moving. And that's, right. that's literally what dark flow means. Um, so the whole idea was to start a forum called Dark Flow. That was the name of the forum initially. But as Tim and I had more and more conversations, um, he, was like, he was like, hey, you know what? Just bring it on the Draper brand. We'll put a Draper in it. And boom, that's how Draper Dark Flow was born. It became our lead LP. And yeah, we launched it together. So that was great. The best things in business are very polarizing, where people either love it or hate it. Those are the big winners in the long run. And so it's good to, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing that, that people, you know, so some people oh, didn't no. like the name. No, actually, unfortunately, I, I didn't care at all. <laughs> I don't think about that at all. I don't want to explain it now that like that, and I don't have a platform to. So yeah, oh, I right. really didn't care. Right. I, I, I was like on my bed thinking, oh my goodness, people don't like them. No, like whatever. You know? <laughs> and so, yeah. well, I guess walk me through a little bit about how your your, your personal uh, philosophy or your, your thesis about. How to go about investing in African tech? Like, how did that evolve since you launched EDF? Fantastic question. Okay, so um, I'll talk about my thesis before and my thesis most recently. So um, initially, I had even if I was born and raised in West Africa uh, for most of my life, um, I had been stuffed up in Silicon Valley mindset about startups, investing, etc. And I had that mindset in investing in African tech startups. So, which is the typical thing is, great entrepreneur comes, does a pitch, they like you, don't like you, you invest and you can invest. You make it move really, really fast, you can write a check within 24, 48 hours, sometimes maximum a week of making the entrepreneur, so on and so forth, which is fantastic and works in Silicon Valley. I mean, that's why Silicon Valley Silicon Valley. And I did a couple, I think, of first few deals. I got my first two or three deals like that. Well, of course, you know, being, being a first-time VC, you learn as you go. And I had to both learn and remind myself that, you know what, hey, we're back in Africa, and Africa is not Silicon Valley. And um, and um, we, we I was able to restructure and recognize how I looked at deals and how I evaluated entrepreneurs and how I evaluated the timing of making those deals. So I'll just give, like, a little... Um, case that we'll mention the names. So let's say startup A and startup B. So startup A is a startup I, I invested in, let's say, um, just fresh out of the Bay, or fresh out of the Bay Area, invested in one continent. And startup B is startup I've invested in within the last 12 months. So startup A, it's, it goes, um, entrepreneurs come, we have, a, we have lunch at the hotel in Lagos, Nigeria. I love the, I love the guys. Um, we register a company with them if, if they're probably very, very seed. Uh, register a company with them um, in the Bay Area or in the UK because they're like the, more, they're the fastest way to do the stuff. And that probably takes a week or so. And we'll put the fast check in and boom, they go kill their stuff. Which sounds good on paper, which I'd like to look another way. Fast <sighs> forward to set a B, and this is how it has changed. Um, we no more invest in um, idea stage companies um, because even from my own story, um, we are betting on the hustle, not the idea. And for hustle, they have to hustle shows traction, 
and um, idea of Dumb Show Hustle. So it becomes um, how far along has this entrepreneur gone with, a, with no resources or with little resources that he or she has had so far. That became the first indicator. Um, the second the second way we invested in startup B is um, looking at startups that are, that are very likely to start generating revenue from day one. So your typical Silicon Valley startup, not typical, but a Silicon Valley startup can, let's say Twitter, for example, or Google, whatever, can be kind of making no money for like two, three years, whatever, and but can sustain itself through service A, B, C, D, to get deep in this type of funding. But that doesn't work on the continent. Um, C rounds are harder, A rounds are harder, B rounds are even harder. And, you know, I don't think we've ever had a successful probably D round or E round in the tech space more than it does on the continent. To my knowledge, probably even wrong. So the question becomes, assuming the seed round the startup is having uh, is going to um, is going to take an investment capital, assuming that is the last check the startup ever has, does the startup still stand a chance of succeeding? So that might that might makes you drill down into unit economics. So we started looking at not the whole um, um, dream and the whole good kumbaya story about startups that can change the world. I started telling them startups like, hey, you, you're not like a sector startup. You're an SME that wants to make money, <laughs> right? So think about yourself that way and act accordingly. So you know, and I used to tell the scenario about um, um, you know, startups or, or tech companies being like a roadside seller in West Africa and Nigeria. So for people that don't know, in, in, in on the continent, we have a whole bunch of people that sell random stuff on the road, from fruits to vegetables to car seats, whatever. So, but if you think about like a, a, a guy or lady selling her bananas on the, on the side of the road. She's not thinking about scale. She's not thinking about ads on social media. All he or she's thinking about is selling her bananas or his bananas, um, making a net profit, feeding his or her family that night, and doing the same for the next day. And that's how you survive. So that now became the fundamental shift in how we evaluate deals. So just expanding selling in economics. And third of all, timing of the deals. So initially, um, we are like super, super fast, um, which, which is still, which is still important, especially if you've done a lot of due diligence, let's say years before. Um, but for an entrepreneur, we've just met, um, um, let's say a week or two before, we started putting in time as a as a filtration factor. And while this might sound not cool, I didn't even like it. But we started seeing, I started seeing that time reveal some things about the entrepreneur. So I'll give you a good example. Um, this actually literally did happen, I think, in 2016 or something. So amazing entrepreneur, has great and everything, wants to invest, and so on and so forth. Uh, but we have the, the guy has to have like some partnership with a bank. And um, so we're waiting on the partnership, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're updating each other, he's doing his thing, we're doing our thing, et cetera. But over time, over the three months of that wait period, we now see terrible, terrible lapses in education skills, terrible, terrible lapses in personal integrity and behavior. And that right there alone just kind of proved our thesis about having time as a factor um, to, to, to our investment making. So 
And an investor friend of mine, um, we, everybody knows him on the continent, very reputable guy, uh, actually told me about this while I was just starting out. I didn't know any better, but it's now became a really, really interesting way to look at deals. So dating, basically, I'm doing a lot of data. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, so that was a really great answer. Do you feel that there are particular traits that make a, a great African startup founder that, you know, traits that might be more necessary to have when, when building a, a business in, in an African environment than, uh, than in the West? Um, yeah, good question. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm going to skip all the necessary traits about what I think in Germany is just generally tend to have, and we talk about the ones in specific to the continent. Um, I think the number one thing that comes to mind is just street smarts. Just, I, I don't know, street smarts. And that, that street smarts in terms of learning how to navigate the hood <laughs> or, uh, or knowing, how, knowing how the social dynamics work on the continent. So, for example, um, if you have a cure for a disease or something or or you have a, a big relative new technology and, and you just think you're going to show up in the continent, speak with the president and say, hey, here's a cure or here's the technology, and people are just going to buy it, that's not going to work, right? You have to, it, it takes more than that. It takes relationship building, it takes connections, it takes um, a whole other thing to make your stuff thrive. And um, so understanding and understanding those things and knowing how to navigate those things, I group all of that on the street smarts and knowing how to deal with vendors, people, customers, et cetera. So that's very related to the continent, and I think it's one of the, the key reasons um, the big startups you're about on the continent today, like the Flutterways, the Pace, et cetera, that's why they are thriving. Experts are street smart. Um, the second thing, uh, I think there's two things. The second thing is just um, grit. So a friend of mine calls it being a cockroach. So I don't know if you knew this, but cockroaches, they can survive seven days after their heads are cut off. <laughs> So, so yeah, I think that speaks volumes. So just that doggedness and that grit, uh, that never say never, uh, never say die attitude, um, is needed. And um, I think I think maybe one more thing I might just add is um, just just like on a personal human level, um, what's the word? Self motivation. Yeah. So people think people 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 think and know entrepreneurship is really hard. It's a billion times harder when it comes to Africa. So you want to be able to talk to yourself or your therapist or your pastor or your imam or someone, you know, to take it to those tough times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I saw that you uh, you gave a talk a few days ago on AI and robotics in emerging markets. I, th- I think it was in Estonia that, that you gave the talk. Yeah. Um, but what, what do you see as, as, as some of the really immediate applications of, of these technologies? Because, I mean, particularly with AI, I mean, the, the biggest problem that I see within an Africa context is just the lack of data on the ground that's that's available to kind of run through these uh, these machine learning algorithms. So what, what are your thoughts on kind of, you know, o- over the next few years, the, the immediate applications of, of these technologies? Okay, I, I think okay, I think, I think we already begin to see immediate applications in fintech, for example. I mean, fintech is like the big buzzword. I'm actually tired of saying the word fintech. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, the, well, we, we met we met at the Africa Fintech Summit. I know, right? And by the way, on my panel on Africa <laughs> Fintech Summit, 
one of the first things I said was, I, I, I literally on the stage on the mic, I said, hey, I think we should all get fintech tattooed in our lower backs, right? Because we just say that with that. But yeah, but so a company like, um, I probably heard about them, Mines of Isle. Um, they, they're, they're a good example of how um, they use an, um, yeah, machine learning. Well, more like, yeah, machine learning um, to be able to predict um, people's worthiness for loans and giving them loan spot. Um, so there are already applications. What 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 I what I think is this. I think I think um, AI um, in the future, hopefully, and I think this just has to be the way. Um, okay, let 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 me rephrase. In in the early nineties, right, and early two thousands, not in the early nineties actually. Um, Bill Gates said this really great thing. He said in the future, everybody, every business will have to be online. And it's a ridiculous if a business doesn't have a website. This is before websites, right? And I'll say that for AI. I think in the future, which is like just a couple of years from now, less than decades, um, every company will have to have AI built in its core. So if you think about every tech product, every website, every app, that's all banks of data. Right. So when we talk about um, data not being available, yes, um, well, we're largely correct on that. But that has changed and because with more tech products comes more believe in tech products, and with more people comes more data. And now then you can implement your machine learning deep in algorithms. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I think we're on the right path. And I'm just getting that to be honest. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And I know with your 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 newest startup. AI is an important component of it, and I know it's 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 somewhat still in stealth mode. But um, we'll love for you to tell us a little bit about what you're working on. Sure, definitely. Um, uh oh, this is going to be my first public pitch. So drum roll. Uh, oh, well, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I can get the exclusive rights to that. <laughs> um, um, okay, so okay, so so I travel quite a bit, right? So is, we're just we're just trying to solve a really simple problem. So I travel quite a bit. Um, so to give it to give it a rough idea, and, and over the last six years, I have traveled to traveled to or lived in forty countries and about eighty five cities. Right. So um, yeah, it's intense. I'm one of those people. I think I was telling you that before this interview. Some people need to read. Some people need to wine. I need to travel to live. That's how I live. Right. Um, right. But, I love it. I love it. But but in, in traveling, um, the whole travel process just sucks, right? You probably spend 30 minutes or one hour sometimes, several hours looking for the best flight deals on kayak and orbits and so on and so forth. And if you see a flight and have like a two-day layover and like some random airport you don't want to be in, and it's just all oh, just so crazy. Uh, or then, or you, or you see, you, or you want, you, want, you, want, you want to have like a layover because you haven't been in the country. But the lower is just a two-hour layover and you're going to miss your flight. So it's just a whole big mess. People that fly a lot, they can totally relate. Then that's done. Then you go on hotels.com or Airbnb.com and you look for like the best hotel with a good rating and you find one that has a good rating but in a bad location that's right outside the city, so on and so forth. But by the way, this product, it's, it's, 
it's more for adventurers, right? Not really travel, just people going on adventures like I do. So back to the hotel thing. So looking for hotels and so on and so forth, and you find a good hotel, bad rating, find a bad rating, good location, which is a big mess, and you finally find one spot and it's too expensive. <laughs> so uh, then you go to the new country. So for example, last week, I'll uh, my first time in Tallinn, Estonia, and um, for all the an adventure, right? And what, what do people do? You download Tinder, or you go to the local bar, or you look for people to hang out with, etc. Because you're a solo traveler, right? So what we're trying to do is according to the product, starting to fit what for solo travelers, where we're reducing that whole process to four taps in four seconds, where you just choose the travel style, you choose your destination, and the customized um um using our AI measurement algorithms. Well, to bring um, the data um, result relevant for you, that's the first thing. And all you need to do is just tap book on the app and everything is booked automatically. Hotels, flights, adventures, everything done. Then, yeah, then the second part is um, also talking about the social piece of it. You can also connect with other people that are going on the same adventure with you. So. You can chat with people, meet up with people, etc. So we'll have like a little chat component. And the third part is um, we're also using AI to provide everybody um, their own personal travel concierge. So here you are in Estonia in an airport with no Uber, for example. And how do you go from X to Y? You have to like go ask somebody there, so on and so forth. Now on your phone, you're going to have your personal travel concierge. So that's kind of it. So that's the theory. It does what we're building out. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of coding. I haven't got doing some coding in the past few weeks. Love going back to that type of part of my life. So, so that's it. So the website is travelg travelg.ai. That's travel and gee.ai. So yeah. And we'll be we'll awesome. Well, I mean, I, I travel a ton. We'll, we'll, we'll be in, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll live the best in a few weeks. But go ahead. Sorry about that. I was just gonna say I, I travel a ton for the global startup movement, and so happy to be you know an early user for the yeah. uh, for for the beta testing totally, phase. Totally, yeah, yeah. Would love would love some feedback. And we'll start. We're just gonna start with a few cities, and um and um and use that and just kind of scale like the way Uber did. So from we're starting about five cities and just kind of scale up gradually. Uh, we can learn more, get predictions more right, and yeah, I'm excited because it, I mean it's, it's some of the problems awesome. I have on it. For example. I'm flying from Madrid to London tomorrow. It's the same thing I'm doing tonight after this call. I'm like, Jesus Christ, why? <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Awesome. Well, Tora, we're going to finish off with a quick fire sure. round. Four questions up to 60 seconds per answer. Yeah, Sound sure. Good? Let's do it. What is your favorite place to visit in Africa and why? Woo! Mm, oh my goodness, that's a tough one. Okay, furthest place in Africa will be Nairobi, Kenya. Why? The weather. Ooh. Why the weather is great. It's one of the few places in the world where you need a where you don't need a heater or an air conditioner. It's just mostly perfect all the time. Um, the people that the, I think among the famous people I've met like in the world, and the parties are lit. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. great. What was the last public investment you made in an African startup, and why? Mm, okay, I, I think I think the last public investment I made was um, Tizeti. Um, that was earlier this year, and um, 
Oh, we got connected to them from a mutual investor friend. And this was just before the register was air on, so which is like great timing for us. They're an infrastructure company. Tizet is a company that provides um, um, internet masks, solar part internet masks, so that people can get connected to the internet. And that's at the basis of connectivity. And we thought that was just like a very fantastic need that they were solving and actually implemented and were scaling rapidly. And we, we felt very privileged to be part of that deal. And a few months later, the really series around, which had just kind of validated what we were talking about or what we what we need already. So yeah, that was great. What is your favorite business book or book about startups and why? Oh wow. Okay. Um, okay, so hmm. okay, the one that comes to mind immediately is um Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Um, um so Peter Thiel says a lot of um, a lot of really interesting stuff about going back to the to what innovation actually is, which is like going from zero to one for going from one to a hundred. Anyway, because of the zero to one, highly recommend it. Um, but I, but a, a book that really affected me, uh, really really um, had a positive influence in my life, which I think probably is the biggest influence on me um, in my business life was one I read I think when I was thirteen or something, and I forget the name of the book, but it talked about the first 12 employees of Microsoft. Sorry, folks, people listening, I can't remember the name, but um, just Google it, you probably find it. But the book was literally about the, t- the first 12 employees of Microsoft, and that just blew my mind. And I, I still think about the book, like, I mean, the content of what I learned, like, almost on a daily or weekly basis. Yeah. And finally, what is your favorite thing about being in Legos? Yeah, um, the energy. Um, when, when you land in Lagos, you um, from your first foot outside the plane, you literally feel the hustle. You feel the heat, but you also feel the hustle. So, so, so yeah, um, the energy. Everybody's everybody um, wants to succeed, and everybody's working towards success. And the unique thing about Lagos is. Um, there are just a few places that I've been to so far in the world that have that same level of just raw entrepreneurship doggedness, right? Lagos is just one of those few places, and you literally feel that when you go into town. And that, and that's why, that's why I think, in terms of like the future of the continent, Lagos is going to be probably the world. Um, Lagos is going to be like a leading force to reckon with. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, Toro, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Andrew. This is fun. Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at andberke, that's A-N-D-B-E-R-K, to see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world.